In today's episode, we're going to talk about how not to become part of the statistic of up to 90% of businesses fail out of the gate. With our guest today, Ken Bell, who successfully grew his company from six figures to seven figures in the HVAC industry. Too often we factor in market value. We focus on what's the market saying that I can charge for this rather than profitability. He is going to address some of these key issues. Number one. Know your numbers. A lot of businesses start out, they have a plan, they have a purpose, uh, they start doing business, and they never dig down deep into the numbers. What is the? What does this actually cost me to do business? Number two, have the right culture for your company. If you don't have the right culture and you don't have the right team players, you're always going to be chasing your tail. So let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of Kingdom Heirs, where faith meets business, inspiring the kingdom-minded entrepreneur. Today, we've got Ken Bell with us, and we're going to talk about why up to 90% of businesses fail, and we're going to cover the key indicators of business failure. Welcome back, Ken Bell. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Come on. Always love it. This What I like about what we've got going on here is both of us are still run and operate business, and we're, we're in the thrills of payroll clients, <laughs> customers, putting yes. fires out. You more than me. And uh, <laughs> and so thank you for being here. Yes. One of the goals that we had of Kingdom Heirs is to, as you might remember, Ken was on episode number seven. Um, we got a little bit of his story, his background, his uh, successes with business and um, uh, his expertise. And so now what I'd like to do is take time and and really teach some some basics of business mm-hmm. that uh, I really believe that our subscribers will be able to appreciate and apply to their business. Yes. So, you know, up to 90% businesses fail. Mm. And I know you know a lot about business. So one of the questions I have to you is um, the key indicators of business failure. So what should we be looking for? What, what are those pitfalls? Yes. Uh, and how can a young entrepreneur or a new entrepreneur um, prevent failing out the gate. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? No, it's a great question. You know, obviously, uh, it's a first things first uh, type of question for me. And, uh, you know, one of the things I learned through really mistakes was, you know, early on in business, I, I didn't know my numbers. Okay. So, That's good. so the, the numbers, what are the, what are the numbers? What are my true numbers? You know, and a lot of businesses start out, they have a plan, they have a purpose. Uh, they start doing business and they never dig down deep into the numbers. What is the what does this actually cost me to do business? And I think this is a big this is a big issue. And it's certainly something that I struggled with uh, early on, uh, especially, you know, until I kind of began to notice some things. You know, I'm, I'm working hard early on in my business, I'm working hard, running fast, a lot of sales, a lot of things happening. Uh, and then at the end of the month, there just wasn't that much money, money left. You know, and it's like, ah, you know, you're you're doing all this, and and what is it that I'm missing? And so I started asking myself those types of questions. What what is it that I'm missing? As a young, untrained entrepreneur, what what is it that I'm missing here? Yeah. And it really did boil back for me. The ninety percent truth was the numbers. You know, understanding you know actual cost of materials, actual cost of labor, uh, how actual how long it takes to do a job. You know, generally we have this this internal bias that we're going to be able to do things cheaper and easier than what it actually comes out. Yeah. Comes very out optimistic. Very yeah. Optimistic. We have this optimistic bias, right? So how did you, how did you answer that question? You said you asked yourself the question. I mm-hmm. think most people ask, start by asking themselves, mm-hmm. 
but then a lot of times we don't actually have the answer. Because yeah. if we had the answer, we wouldn't be in that predicament. Yeah, well, when you start asking yourself a question that you can't answer, it's time to look for somebody to ask the question to that has the answer. So what did you do there? Early on, I found a business coach. Okay, business uh, coach. And I didn't, right. I didn't invest a ton of money in a business coach. There was really a couple of questions that I needed answered. And uh, so actually, and I'll just give some hard numbers. I, I spent... Uh, I found a business coach. Uh, I did some research and and found somebody, and uh, I basically paid them seven thousand dollars for a year of their time. Yeah, uh, these different meetings and what whatnot, and really got the bulk of my questions answered within the first month. That's good. And then never talked to him again. Was there any implementation? Did he give you any like implementation tools? Well, or? he did. He he gave he gave me some. Uh, he helped me with uh, actual labor cost numbers. I had a service business, and so he he helped me with that and. Uh, Actually, he gave me a spreadsheet. Uh, those spreadsheets are red- readily available. They're around to, to be able to factor, figure what your actual labor cost is. You know, okay. for a service business, you've got a guy, he's in a truck, maybe a, a helper in that truck as well. What are the actual labor costs? And they were they were way higher than what I was calculating. Were you, uh, were these guys hourly? Were they mm-hmm. salary? Yeah, hourly, were they hourly. Overtime? Like, how did you handle that? Did you say, yeah. hold, hold you at 40 hours? I mean, it's tricky. Yeah. No, that, yeah, and if you don't even know your actual straight time costs, you'll never know your overtime, overtime cost, and that's right. whenever you'll you'll create a big pit. Correct. And uh, and so we once we started adjusting our numbers, we realized that our prices. Because I love your voice. Oh, thank you. I want to make sure you talk into that thing. Yeah, we realized that our prices were just off. Right. Okay. And uh, so you did an adjustment. We did. So now, now you know what your true cost mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Then you said, "Look, we're we're and we're below, or, or mm-hmm. we're missing the mark by 10, 15, twenty percent, thirty percent." Yeah. What What was the very first thing you did to to correct that? I just I, I recalculated everything, dug into all the numbers, figured figured out where the profit began, where in you that make number, your money, where you make your money. Tried to find benchmarks for my particular business, and they are different for businesses. Yes. Uh, where's the net profit of each job? Because yes. if you're if you're working a job and you don't have your numbers right, say you're losing two percent on every job and yeah. you just don't know it, yeah. And so you, when you, at the end of the month you go, man, I need to make more sales. Well, you're actually hurting your business by making more sales. Correct. Because now you're losing two percent on every sale, and it's just it's just a snowball effect. So a lot a lot of times I found it's inefficiencies. It's the lack of There's production mm-hmm. on the job, mm-hmm. or you get to a job site. You know, we're both we're we're both in the home service industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, HVAC remodeling, construction, mm-hmm. and so forth. Yep. So uh, understanding that the, if you don't plan well, mm-hmm. then you you have to then come to a, So you show up to a job site and you don't have what you need. Yep. You have to turn around and try to go get it. Yep. So now you just lost the production time yep. there. It's multifaceted. It starts with knowing what the numbers are. Then it goes to knowing how long, how many numbers you have on each job or project and really being able to nail that down. And then it's it, then efficiency, proficiency Correct. comes in. Okay, so uh, being efficient... Yeah. And proficient. Mm-hmm. Yes. Efficient and proficient. Yeah. Okay. The ishants. So, <laughs> so once you know the actual cost of your labor and your materials, one thing that one thing that I did was when I knew what my material costs were, my hard costs, mm-hmm. I would go ahead and put an overhead mark on that. Mm-hmm. I'd put, I started with, when I first started in business, I started with 10%. Mm-hmm. Right. But I was young and I, I didn't right. I didn't think customers would allow it. Right. Um, but then I went 20 percent. And mm-hmm. then I met with another uh, entrepreneur and he says, James, I've been charging 30 percent for the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. He goes, because it covers your, covers your time, covers your insurance, covers your fuel. Covers, all that it covers overhead. everything. It's all, all that that's scary overhead. Mm-hmm. And that and I only had myself and a helper. 
and I had insurance and I had tools and I had obviously, right. but it wasn't a huge overhead like you had. A, you had big overhead, yes. but you were a much bigger operation than me. And so then I understood that if I ever want to get to the point of being an actual full company, then I need to start charging overhead now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll never build in yep. and cover those yep. inefficiencies. I'll never cover that. Yeah, most guys put overhead as the last number in their lines. You need to have it as the first number. It's the first number. Yeah. Every job has got 30%. Yeah. Yep. So if it's 100 bucks, you get $30 extra that, to that cover. That starts you at zero. That's it. Now yep. you're now you're zero. Mm-hmm. What, we, what a lot of guys do is they try to... Versus negative. Yes, yes. Versus negative. Or yeah. ignoring. That's And that's what a lot of folks do. Overhead, I can't be that much. I'm just going to leave it off the... Right. Off the spreadsheet. And you can't, you just can't. Then they become up to 90% of yeah. companies that fail. Yeah. Because they yeah. didn't, they failed to plan for the expenses mm-hmm. that they thought should just come out of their, right. their net. They and the lion's they share of that, of their, yeah, the lion's share of that 90% are startups. And yes. that's, so that's first year or two. Those are crushed and dashed dreams that's for what people. That is. Yeah, that's what that is. 75% of all businesses that are around will eventually close for the wrong reasons. You know, and what a lot of people do with their numbers, once they get all their numbers kind of figured out, then to figure out what is my price, what is my price per job, what is my what is my process to figure out what that number should be. Yeah. And then too often we factor in market value. Okay. We focus on on the market. What's the market saying that I can charge for this rather yes. than profitability? That's good. You know, yeah, and so good. that causes a lot of businesses, businessmen and certainly service providers to lower or slash prices to yeah. get jobs. Yeah, but at that point, then they're going, they're just yeah. immediately going out of business. And there is times to do on the schedule for this week, but you'd love to have something for your guys to do so you don't just have to just pay them for nothing or yes. then not get paid. Yes. Then those are those times, very unique times where you can come in and get aggressive with some pricing and change and, and grab a few jobs but here and there. Camp, you don't camp there. You can't. You can't. <laughs> and and a lot of people, you know, the, the customer will often tell you things like, and I've heard this so many times, you charge too much. Well, there's absolutely no way the customer can know that. That's right. That what they're actually saying is, I don't feel good having to pay you this much. Okay, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. The value added. So mm-hmm. when people, it's, I, I attribute this to going to, to like a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. You take your dinner, you take your family out mm-hmm. to get a steak and, and you yeah. may not do that often. That might be a once a year thing. It might be a yep. once a month thing. Yep. And and it's all about service, level of service. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we're taking them out and we have high expectations, it's nice fine dining. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to spend 100 to $200 for that meal. Mm-hmm. And so we're prepared. For, we want to have a great, yeah. great food, great friendly service. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so and then when and we and if, if the restaurant hits all of that, everything was perfect. When we sign that check and we know it's big, we feel good signing it. And there's the mm-hmm. tip. Mm-hmm. But the, the reverse is true. If we go, we place our order. They didn't greet us well. Yeah. They, 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 you know, they, they didn't, they messed Something up our orders. Mm-hmm. There was, there was just, there's no friendliness, whatever it may be. Right. We get that check. We're like, you know, you charge too much mm-hmm. and you really get stingy on the tip mm-hmm. or you wrote, you write one of those like little comments. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's to your point. If people say you charge mm-hmm. too much, the value proposition, they didn't feel the love yep. in the service you provided. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you too, it, one thing you never see happen at a restaurant like that is at the end of it, 
the customer negotiating the price with the with the restaurant. <laughs> well said. You don't do that at the doctor's office. No. You know, hey, doctor, so and so, you're charging too much for these X-rays. That's right. But in the service business, it's it's a built-in factor. Yes. That you have to have. Plan so, for. So you always build value on the front end. It's harder on the back end when people are already frustrated. Correct. So you need to find ways to build value into what you're providing. Yes. And, and then it just is what it is. Yes. I, I heard a guy one time say something, and this doesn't always apply, but he said, if people are constantly giving you price complaints, what do you do? And the, the natural thing that people would say is you lower, you your, lower price, your prices. Which he is said the wrong you, thing. Yeah, he said you actually raise your prices. You're getting complaints anyway. And, well and, and you're not going to raise your prices for the sake of raising your prices. You want to obviously, we're not talking about price gouging. We're no, not talking no. about overcharging. But we're talking for about why businesses fail. Yeah. And number one thing yeah. is they don't charge the right dollar amount yeah. because they don't have the confidence in the service they yeah. provide or the product they offer. They don't have the confidence. It's level. a fear based leadership That's of right. your business. It's fear based. Yeah. So I think that was one thing that I know that I. I applied right away was, and I realized that other service leaders, other in our in our community, were provide were charging overhead. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's that's important. Yep. Then what I did was on the labor side because it's very easy to break out parts and material, mm-hmm. you know, parts mm-hmm. and labor. Mm-hmm. And on the labor side, I went ahead and I added overhead as well mm-hmm. because that created margin. Well, yeah, employees they create, create overhead. They, they do, yeah. and so when when we would uh, fulfill a project. Whatever it is, let's say uh, labor was uh, ten thousand mm-hmm. hard cost, but I, and then I would add overhead. Mm-hmm. I'd add overhead and profit, mm-hmm. and so at that point, you might try to add thirty percent to that. And what that does is it allows. So now that's my profit margin. Mm-hmm. I have my hard cost, which I know I'm going to have to pay all the guys to do the work. Yep, subcontractors or and or W twos, mm-hmm. and then you have office staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have your you have your team yeah. that you can't bill their hours out. To yeah. a job site. Yep. But you need the accountant, you need the yep. receptionist, you need the right. the operations leader. Yeah. yeah. And so when you start adding in overhead and profit on your line items, now you're planning for when you have a slow week. Mm-hmm. Now you're planning for when it's it's frozen outside and, and yep. nobody wants any work done or whatever it may be. Yeah. And if you can consistently sell at that number, then it does offer you latitude at times to adjust to grab jobs, you know, yes. you, you you create a little bit more ability for you to be a little more agreeable when it comes to, you know, the folks that maybe can't afford that thing. And you can actually be create an opportunity to bless, yes. be a blessing. Well, now you have, yeah. you have profit in the tank. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of um, people think that when I, when uh, we, we did well on a job and you say, oh, wow, we did so good. We hit our mark. Mm-hmm. We hit the, we hit the mm-hmm. numbers. They all think that I just take all that money and throw it in my safe. Like, are you guys crazy? That's company money. Yeah. What that is, the company has a savings account now. Mm -hmm. It's the rainy day fund. It's Mm -hmm. the investment fund. It's so that we can afford to pay you guys when we have two weeks of slow work during the holidays. We don't lay people off. We just keep them. We find things for them to do. We we reorganize our shop. We we market, whatever it may be. And in the long run, that's a great benefit to your customer. Yes. As well. It is. It is symbiotic. And and, and the point is because we're always there. Mm-hmm. We're not out of business. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things we, we've hired people in the past to do work at our home. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, let's hire them back because we had a great experience. And yep. they're out of business. Yeah. We're like, oh, well, yeah. why? Well, because yeah. they didn't run it well. Just because you're good at doing something doesn't mean you're, you're going to have a profitable business. Correct. That's exactly right. So yeah. the business coach helped you see what you, what you needed to see. Mm-hmm. It yep. was $7,000. But that seven thousand dollars netted you what? What do you think it netted? Oh, I, I, it, there's, it's immeasurable. Yeah, I mean, even right down to the just the peace of mind of knowing that I could walk in and and sell more confidently. Yes. Uh, 
lead more confidently, knowing that we were secure in our numbers. It wasn't scary to have more jobs. It was actually good to have more jobs. Yeah. Uh, and so it just, it was just a, man, it was just so necessary. Uh, you know, a lot of what I learned early on in the business, fortunately, the business that I purchased was small, but it was, it, it had a good customer base that, right. that afforded me some latitude to make some mistakes when on startup businesses, you don't have that. That's right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you, you've got to get some of this stuff in place the, earlier, plan longer to start better, you know, plan longer to start better. What do you think it's, um, if people say, man, I, I don't have seven grand. What yeah. do you think that there's people that, that are out there that would like to, that, you know, like a business owner can call on to get some advice or, you know, like, what do you recommend? If someone says, look, things are just really tight. We're yeah. literally getting by, by the, I'm gonna give you a secret on that one. This, and this is what I've done a couple of times. If you have a certain type of business in a certain type of area, you can, and, and you're struggling in certain areas, find a, a profitable, strong, healthy, bigger, larger business in another market and another area another of the city. country, another, another city. State. You can find them now. They're so easy to find on Facebook. Message the company. Hey, I would love to just, you know, pick your brain, ask you a few questions. Yeah. Uh, and, and you could cr start to create a network that way. There's also networks already established uh, for, for just about industries. every type of business yes. on Facebook, on different forums, obviously through podcasts and, and all this stuff. It's That's all right. there. That's right. And so what I've found is that guys that are successful have a heart, a big heart for small business. Yes, of course. Right. Because they remember where they came from. Absolutely. And they, they, man, I. I've I've done this with people. People have reached out to me that are were much smaller than the business that I was running. Uh, I've reached out to other guys that and watched other guys that were operating businesses that were 10, 15, 20 times the size of my business. Yeah. And you just pick up these these subtle things. When something grabs you, you can reach out to these guys. I've even found that these guys will respond. They do. Yeah, they do. Even right. though they may have 17,000 people on their Facebook or whatever, <laughs> social media, the small guy that says, hey, I'm a small shop in Western Illinois that is really struggling in this area. Man, can you give me a piece of advice? Oftentimes, these guys will say, private message me your phone number and I'll call you. I love that. And so you can get just tons of free advice. Then oftentimes- Which has guys, huge yeah. monetary value. It's huge. And sometimes you can buy in monthly. I bought in monthly to one of these groups. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like $99 a month. And yeah. man, you can just ask all sorts of questions. Yes. Plus you can watch what I, a lot of information I would get was just by watching other people's questions. Yes. And this, this stuff would come up on my feed. And I it's would, related to what you do. Yeah. And I would, I would click on it and watch it so that Facebook would continue to feed me those yes, things, that's it. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I would just, this guy would ask a question. I would see a question. It's like, Man, I've been thinking about that. And I click on the answers and there's 70 answers. I think this and is... And you invest the time in just going, wading through those. And if there's somebody that's you agree with or have a question for, just reach out and ask them. I love that. You know? That's that's the whole thing. Uh, I know that uh, Michaela and I, we made it to the top 500 remodeling contractors mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the country. Right. We made the list. Mm -hmm. uh, something I always wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. And, and you have to have certain criteria to hit. And right. in 2019, mm -hmm. we hit the nut. We hit it. Yep. Or 2020, we hit it. Mm -hmm. And so we wound up going to this gigantic conference mm -hmm. and walking into the room yep. with these other top 500 remodeling yep. replacement contractors, like mm -hmm. home-based home contractors. Yeah was a sense of like, 
wow. Yeah. And then it's a humbling thing. It's very, very humbling because mm-hmm. in you know, in our market, we're kind of a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get into like with a room with these giants, and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm a fly on the wall. Anyway, what, can lower and yeah, what can I learn? Yeah, what can I learn? What can I learn? And the coolest thing is the humility. To your point, mm-hmm. most of these guys started, guys and gals started from zero, mm-hmm. and or acquired a small business, a mm-hmm. small company, and, and grew it. Right. But you know, we we were sitting with guys that were doing 500 million. Yeah. Kitchens and baths. Yeah. Uh, Windows. I mean, these companies were gigantic. You know, I read a, I read a, a statistic that 88% of all millionaires are business owners that started from nothing. That's right. 88%. That's it. And so that, that's, I that's, mean. That's a lot of room for us. Yeah. To, to get somewhere. Yeah. And so these, these guys, these are the, these are the guys that are, that are moving America. That's true. You know, they the, really are. That's and the backbone of America, small is. business. Small businesses. That's it. You know? And then there's millions and millions of others that never even reach a million, but have a business that supports their family. That's it. The business Which that I purchased, when, when I purchased the business in 2008, uh, they, their biggest year was 249, $249,000 in revenue. Yeah, that's That big. was their biggest year. That's big. But this couple lived very well of course they did for 30 years yes based on just that amount of revenue i love that and and so owner operators we owner call them operators. owner operators yep. they, they live, had they no make good lifestyles for themselves and yeah. that's that's what so many people i was an owner operator for a long time mm-hmm. until i had somebody come up to me and say uh james why haven't you scaled your business another mm-hmm. very successful yeah. business owner in town yeah and i said well what, what do you mean i said i'm living very well because i know you are he mm-hmm. goes but you have capacity mm-hmm. to scale your business why haven't you scaled it and i said mm-hmm. well i can tell you it's it's because i'm afraid yeah, I'm afraid that if 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 it's losing control, if I lose. That's exactly. I said, yeah. It was a control. I, yeah. I said I'll lose control if I bring more people in. Then how can I con- control the outcome? Mm-hmm. He goes, you'll figure that out. He right. goes, time for you to hang up your tool belt. Mm-hmm. He goes, and at that point, then you become the business owner versus mm-hmm. the operator. Yeah, and it's a big. It was very very stressful. Extremely, very, yeah. very stressful hanging up your tools. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then occasionally you get to pick them up for fun. Oh, that's the fun part. Yeah, <laughs> I still love to do yeah, that. So I it's know. but but in that to to the point though, it came to the next point is hiring the right people. Mm-hmm. And something that I know very well, and I know you do this well, is uh, one of the greatest mistakes that business owners, small business owners, or just business owners, is is hiring the wrong people mm-hmm. and then taking too long to to find. A replacement. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a number one thing that just people are plagued with. Man, I hired this guy because mm-hmm. I had a need, or I was, I was, it was, a, it was a problem. Uh, like I needed someone. I needed, a, I needed a warm body. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's the, it was the wrong guy or guy. Yeah. And now what do yeah. I do? Yeah. Well, I, I'll speak to the to the uh, parting company with with employees. Sure. Uh, generally, what I've found is when that happens, ninety percent of the time, or even higher. Higher than that, it's a relief for both parties. That's true. If yeah. I'm working as a worker in a in the wrong company, or you know the wrong vibe, the wrong yeah, whatever culture is, that wrong I culture. don't fit into at all, it's it's painful for well, me. You'll I'm, know that, and, yeah. yeah and I'm you'll less know productive, it. and so they don't always, you know, the employee won't always believe that initially, but ultimately it's a it's a benefit for both. Yes, you know, and so uh, those are those are things that. As long as and, and there's some things you got to make sure uh, that you've done before that you got to make sure that you've created clear expectations. That's key. Yeah. Yeah. That you're, there's clear uh, ramifications of unmet expectations. Yes. Cause and effect. There's proper training 
so that the people can be as proficient as possible in the business. That's good. When that happens, when when employees are proficient, clearly understand the boundaries, clearly understand all that and fit into the culture, it's the best thing ever. It's like the easiest thing to to lead that employee. Yes, you it know? is. And and when it's when it's not the exact opposite is true. It's just like gravel in your shoe. That's right. You know? Sandpaper. Yeah. Constant sandpaper. Yeah. And it's just it's just not not it's not fun. When I th- for either party. I think to the to the point when we both know when we know in in our leadership role, when we know that we've got someone who's not performing, we've trained, we've had the conversations. Uh, they're just we show them the target. Mm-hmm. We even help direct the arrow. Mm-hmm. This is how you stand and this is how you shoot it. Mm-hmm. And every time they hit the ground, at some point now we're carrying that weight and that burden on our minds mm-hmm. and the team all experiences it as well. Yep. And so underperforming people in your organization will kill morale. Yeah. And we had talked about this prior as well, is if if people have kind of like a sickness and um that they're like negative everything's negative. Mm -hmm. Woe is me. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to work with a team members don't like that Mm -mm. because they're trying to remain positive because they're trying to overcome challenges. So I think identifying that in your organization Mm -hmm. early, Mm -hmm. regardless of what company you're in, that needs to be identified early Mm -hmm. and don't, you know, pray it out, think it out, talk it out. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'll go back even further, make a decision. Yeah. I'll go back further than that. It's creating a culture intentionally early on this is good so many yeah. times what i experienced is that uh you know if you have it's it's like the, it's the way the body works you know the body if it senses a cancer or a foreign thing in the body it it sends it it, it comes around that and tries to remove it yes and if you've created a, a a good culture in your company you'll find that that starts to happen that these it's easier to pinpoint those people because the rest of the organization is sort of pushing against them yes to try to push them out yes and it's just a natural thing yes you it know is. yep and so that's good. Uh, our our responsibility at that point is to de- see that determine that and that's why it speaks to you hanging up the tool belt you'll never be able to adequately watch those things and see those things unfold in your organization if you're constantly in the weeds yeah out in the field you have to be high doing that thing because then so, you have because mo- yeah. you also have emotional mm-hmm connection mm-hmm. at that point and you'll never be able to see people weakening in those areas where they may have the chance to 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 build them up that's right some of some of the best employees i've ever had were people that early on we had issues yes because you, you worked through it and we worked through it and it was that person was coachable that person was willing uh i, I or the management team took the time to invest in that person yes. and to try to get on the same page and when that happens it's it's a tri- it's like trial by fire. It's like mm-hmm. we've been through something together now, and it strengthens that relationship. I love that because it's relational. You know, as Christian uh, owners, I don't even think the Bible allows us to operate a business outside of a relational dynamic. Great point. And so, yeah, uh, it's more than transaction. Yeah, it can't and, be transactional. Right, it's and relational. It, it may be a gifting you have. It may not be a gifting you that's have. Right. If it's not a gifting you have to be able to kind of think relationally like that, yes. then that's something you probably need to develop. Yeah, you know, so that you can. And I, I'm not talking about being best buddies with your employees you and you can't be yeah you can be you can be relational you can be relational you can be friendly you can even be friends yeah but you've got to be able to create at least some element certainly in service businesses blue collar businesses yeah. especially Workers, which yeah. is I, I can't speak to too many other things other I than get a blue it. collar no, no. business we get you it know? yeah we get it and so uh you've it, it just allows all of that and so it all kind of works together if you've got the numbers right and you've got the people right 
and you've got your heart right, mm. it's a perfect combination to yes. be able to give you the best best opportunity to be successful. That's good. And then it's just a, then hard work matters. If you've got all that other stuff right, wrong, yeah. hard work, it you, you feel like you're you're chasing the wind constantly chasing you know? your tail. and yeah and you just you go to you go to bed every night discouraged apprehensive about what tomorrow may bring right now you're talking to a lot of people right now yeah, like, you're, now you're what do in, I do you're in fear what do I do and, yeah. and and then we make bad judgments based out of fear and that's whenever we may think man I, I, this isn't working I need to diversify okay this brings me to my third <laughs> point yeah um you know when should you diversify when you should not diversify yeah. I think to your point uh, diversification within a company. Mm. And, and in other words, like talking about different markets, mm-hmm. hey, I should expand, things mm-hmm. are going good here. Mm-hmm. There, Somebody says, hey, I should get over there. Should yeah. I move? Should I do that? Should I expand that market? Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? What's your advice on that? Uh, there's no there's no formula for that. I mean, there's literally no formula. What I will say is there's some things that, uh, and obviously I think you would do yourself justice to get in front of somebody that's done that and been there. It goes back to the coach. Right. It goes back to that coaching, some sort of coaching input, you know, <clears throat> whether it's paid for or or given freely. It, they're both valuable. Right. Yes. Uh, and so there's no formula for that. Uh, I know that I don't know what the formula is, but I learned from what's firsthand experience, experience yeah, what's your experience? what the formula isn't. And it's not, and 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 it's not for the wrong reasons. It's you, you can't do it just because you're saying I can make more money to do this. Yeah, money can't be the sole motivator. It cannot. It'll also be the what, what crushes you. Mm-hmm. And, and small business, sole entre- entrepreneurship, and smaller LLCs that have like a main owner and maybe a small management team or no management team. Yeah, it's very difficult to do that. And and that's what I we tried to do in in my organization and. Uh, it was really a huge strain on the organization, and and it comes back down to the same way you start a business. Yeah, that's good. It's got you've got to have all those same elements involved in that for diversifying a business as you do for starting a business. The numbers have to be there. You have to do some market studies. You have to realize what what it is you're doing. The places that I've seen the greatest success in this is through uh, maybe these private equity firms, which now are really active in buying up small businesses they and are. certainly blue collar businesses and operators, trade businesses. They want, they want to, if they can retain the operators for a mm-hmm. season, yep. that almost secures the deal. Yep. Even if they don't, they know how to hire those positions. They'll bring in the right managers. And they yep. have the systems and processes already in place that they're probably doing elsewhere. That's right. That they can just move over here. That's right. And so those guys can do it, you know, and, and what, what I found in us is it diffused our effectiveness in both areas to try to, to try to bring in another direction into our business. That's good. And so it was a it was a pull on time, energy, and all of that adds up to exponential resources that begin to be pulled into this non-profitable aspect of our business. So this 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 um it makes me think it reminds me that you know when we're feeling like it goes back to I think knowing your numbers. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I just feel like we're not we're not hitting the numbers that we should hit in their brain. Well maybe if I go to a different market, mm-hmm. maybe I'll do better. Yeah. So, hey, let's start. Let's go to this bigger city. We're in a smaller yeah. city. Let's go to the bigger city and see if yeah. we can't. It's a fear-based that, decision. It's Again, it's fear-based decision. Mm-hmm. What would be better is hone in on your numbers, uh, hyper-focus on your market, mm-hmm. know your know what know what product that you offer that you make the most amount of profit on, mm-hmm. and maybe focus on that mm-hmm. and become mm-hmm. a specialist in be that better, area. Be better in your particular market that you're already in and have a market share in yeah. and grab begin to work to find ways to grab a little bit more of that market yeah. share the, in that area. Knowing what what services you offer, what products you offer that don't mm-hmm. perform well. Mm-hmm. 
stop offering them mm-hmm. and just focus or adjust on the, your prices for them. Or, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great point. Or yeah. adjust your prices mm-hmm. and or find the what you do really well on, mm-hmm. like what your team might just do really good at in and outs. Yep. Yep. You know, we really good just service calls. Yep. We don't want to do new installs. We just want to do service calls mm-hmm. because we can do 15 of those a day. We bring in $300 a service call. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're doing we're doing really, really it's good. It's measurable. It's measurable. Versus predictable. Somewhat predictable. Some guys get very excited about the big number. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a $10,000. That's a $20,000. Yeah. And we can make 5000 yeah, mm-hmm. but it took you three days. Mm-hmm. But if you just went back to your service calls, mm-hmm. you're crushing it on service calls. Well, that yeah. one took you three days. Yeah. And now you got tied up with callbacks because there's an issue. There's little things here and there. Right. I'm just saying that there's ways to um, de-stress. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to slow it down mm-hmm. so that you can pick up speed again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus adding more to the plate. Yep. Backwards to go forwards. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ken. Yeah. Thanks for showing up today. My thanks pleasure. for thanks for sewing in some uh, some nuggets of truth for us. Yes. Uh, will you come back and do this again? I will. Good. Yeah, Good. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, hey guys. In summary, I think today what what we just covered is the key indicators of business failure, and we talked about why up to ninety percent of businesses fail. It's uh, the big thing is knowing your numbers. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know where you're going. So know your numbers. You really want to break it down. Go right down from your material costs to your labor costs. Add the overhead. Add the profit. And then when your client says it's just too much, go right back to the value statement. This is what we're here to do for you. We delivered it. We executed. And thank you so much for trusting us. And, And in the future, you can trust us again. Another thing you might look at again is bringing in the right people. Make sure you hire the right Team members, okay, set the expectations, make sure you get them trained. And remember, you're hiring for your culture. So create a good, healthy culture that's relational based. Third thing, don't over diversify. Don't overdo it. Don't don't try to go into extra markets. Stay focused in your market and know what you're really good at and continue to do that and then scale from there. So thanks again. If you liked what you heard with Kingdom Heirs, please like subscribe and ring that bell and uh, hit us in the comments down below. We'll see you next time. God bless you guys.